Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're starting the week off feeling good. Oof. Funky, funky, funky times these days. Some people are fully vaccinated. Others got half. We're seeing certain things opening, right? Waiting for others. So fascinating. Uh, Here in L.A., each county has different rules. So about <laughs> only 10 minutes over the hills, the Hollywood Hills, right into Burbank, we got the gyms open, you know, some indoor dining. And then, like I said, 10 minutes on my side, only outdoor stuff. So it's so fascinating to watch how you can cross over a county line and everything completely shifts and changes. Um, anywho, I wanted to talk about some uh, trans news. There's so much going on. Russia, man, hurts my heart. Uh, if you haven't seen the documentary, Welcome to Chechnya, it's on HBO, HBO Max. Please watch it. it uh, I've seen it twice. Cried both times. It's really disturbing and upsetting to see uh, what happens to people that are part of the LGBTQIA community in other countries. You know, we forget. We can be here in America. We can be very insulated and assume that everyone has rights that we have. Well, over there, you can still be murdered um, publicly. A lot of people are injured constantly. So... Oh, it's a great documentary also. I talked about it on the air when I first saw it, but they also have a great group called the Rainbow Railroad, which uh, please donate. They help get people out of that country and place them both in Canada, United States, and some other places so they can really start a life. Russia, they're up to it again. They hatch a sinister plan. This is the headline to ban trans, bisexual, and abortion and polyamorous propaganda. So now we're not just talking about those acts themselves, being trans, being gay, having an abortion. We're now just talking about what they determine to be propaganda. That means any posting or discussing. So they're criminalizing all forms of what they're calling gay propaganda. Um, anything, wait for what falls under this heading, ready? Any positive depiction of bisexuality or polyamory. A positive depiction. That's a very vague term. But they're throwing polyamory under there. <laughs> It's so fascinating how scared people get to just face truth, truth of what is, and the growth and evolution of gender, sexuality, relational styles. More and more in the news. Last week, we had Ian Jenkins on the show. Um, he's the author and, and parent of two children, but he lives with his two boyfriends. They're all there together. All three of them are on the child's birth certificate. I have tons of friends that are polyamorous, uh, tons of books being put out there. A lot of them are therapists, and I love that because they can speak specifically to the mental health within that. Whether you're familiar or not, whether it triggers you or not, you got to get more comfortable, learn more about it. And for some, that's actually the preferred configuration. I work with some individuals that assume everyone's monogamous and it doesn't work for them. And they come to a really powerful realization that maybe they're meant to be poly or non-monogamous and that that's a true relational or sexual orientation for them. 
100%. Remember, sexual orientation is far bigger than just gender choice, and not everyone is built or meant for monogamy. That was a social construction. That's only only so old. We have we have not had that forever. That was born out of capitalism and land ownership, right? And wanting to make sure that children when you're, were yours and passing on your legacy. It was really rooted in control and patriarchy. It was never something that was rooted in love. Because remember, marrying for love is only about a hundred years old. Again, historically it was about finance and family family name and legacy. Fascinating, fascinating history. I'll have to make sure I at some point do a um a deeper dive into that. It's quite it's quite a fascinating journey. Now, why this is also interesting is here, I love this, the White House had to put out a statement reminding people that anti-trans bills are illegal because we're seeing some states pass anti-trans bills for bathrooms, but also for uh, joining an athletic team, right? And I love this. This was a few days ago. Um, White House press conference. Uh, Saki, I love her. I mean, you know, she's she dropped some truth. She got some solid boundaries. She doesn't take any crap from anyone. But uh, basically, she wanted to remind everyone that um, state legislatures, because, you know, they're doing their thing, that anti-trans laws are in fact illegal. And this is her quote, trans rights are human rights. I posted, uh, I post that stuff all the time, but I was also proud of Oreo. I'm a big Oreo fan. Oreos are vegan. They're also delicious. And they put out a tweet. This was about a week and a half ago saying, you know, trans rights are human rights went viral. People lost their minds over it though. We were even talking about people losing their minds over Mr. Potato Head. It's a toy. It doesn't have a gender. They're just keeping up with what's going on. They're staying in reality. You know, we don't need to be afraid of those things. But I actually want to read more of what uh, Saki said. She said, the president believes that trans rights are human rights and that no one should be discriminated against based on the basis of sex, dot, dot, dot. The anti-discrimination executive order the president signed is focused on children being able to learn that worrying about whether they will be discriminated against, and this means not being denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports, and him signing executive orders signs a pretty clear message to state legislators, to lawmakers, about where he stands on the issue and his position as president. Well done, Biden. I mean, again, <laughs> I'd love for him to, uh, you know, not bomb Syria, uh, wipe out student loans. So we're still waiting for those things, get people their, their checks. Uh, but nonetheless, on the human rights front. He's, he's pretty much got that charge. And also, uh, let's get some kids out of them cages. So uh, work to be done. Work to be done, y'all. But uh, much better than uh, Trump. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about, ah, you're vaccinated. So now what? It's something we got to talk more about because there's a lot of myths going around about what that means. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about a very important topic, how to break up with someone, how to lovingly, compassionately leave a romantic relationship honoring your mental health and their mental health. Because the way that people exit relationships quite toxic and we need to stop it. We really, really do because it injures people and it makes people really afraid of the dating process, which in a perfect world would be fun. That's right. Looking for love and dating should be fun. All right, stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're jumping into our... Uh, one of our main topics of the night, although, you know, as I, as I said later in the show, we will be talking about ways to lovingly and compassionately end romantic relationships. Again, it applies to all relationships, so there's a lot for all of us to learn in there, but, you know, it's through the entry point of romantic relationships. But vaccinations, a lot of us have them both, or some of us have the first one. Some of us not yet. We might be getting it at some point really soon. So uh, once we get vaccinated, what's up then? What's up then? Because I hear a lot of people thinking, ah, oh, game on, game on. It's like, ah, no, 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 no. You can still get infected. You can also still infect someone around you who might not yet be vaccinated. And so we do have to be very thoughtful. We should still wear masks. Um, but let's dive in a little bit deeper. So 
vaccines are awesome. They, uh, Johnson and Johnson, the efficacy of the one shot is not as great as the other two, which are about 94 to 97% effective. Um, uh, where the, the Johnson and Johnson, I think was like in the sixties, still meaningful, but, uh, the Pfizer and Moderna ones are a little bit better and that's going to help protect people from hospitalization, death, uh, severe, uh, severe, you know, outcomes. That's really great. We want to prevent that severe illness, hospitalization, death. Those are the things we're trying to avoid, but, um, it gets a little more complicated than that, right? That's just not the whole thing because again, we're, we're looking at what are we still at risk for, but more importantly, what about spreading the virus to others and getting them sick? We, we do need to think about that. I, I'm so saddened that that has left out of a lot of people's conversations. Um, but it's not, we don't, we don't have all of the data. Remember, this is, not, this, this is both a novel virus that we're still learning about. Remember, it's only about a year old and we fast-tracked the vaccines. We still do not know everything. So we're still learning a lot about the vaccines themselves because those are even newer than the novel virus as we talk about the possibility of new versions and also getting boosters, uh, booster shots down the road. But we have to understand what our choices are now that we've been vaccinated, right? So to put this in clear terms, if a vaccinated person goes out to eat, to concert, to shopping, they can't be 100% sure that they're not carrying the virus themselves and able to spread it to anyone unvaccinated around them in the store, in the restaurant, or at the event. So one of the very important guidelines that we're talking about is navigating a world where these things are rising and they're dropping. So if you live with someone or you work closely with someone or socialize a lot with someone who is susceptible, right? Or someone who is high risk or very vulnerable, you want to be very thoughtful about still, right? Dun, 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 getting groceries delivered, right? Washing your hands, having them wear a mask, you wear a mask. You still want to be very thoughtful and follow the protocol. We also want to know the numbers of cases in our area. Some areas, the numbers are very low. Others, the numbers are quite high. So we want to understand the overall risk of infection in our area. And that should help us make those decisions. Are we going to have people over? Are we going to go visit our elderly parent? Are we going to go to a party? Now, remember, dropping our risk and the risk for others, following some rules, right? Even, even as we loosen up a little bit, because once we're vaccinated, the numbers drop. We still want to make sure that we don't get other people sick, but also we want to keep ourselves from getting sick in the future, regardless of whether or not you've been vaccinated, because we still don't know how long you'll be protected against serious illness if you get vaccinated or were previously infected because no one has been vaccinated, ready for this, for more than about seven months or so or more. The vaccine hasn't been around that long. So we still don't even know how long we are protected for. So remember, this isn't game on and we're handled and it's forever. As far as we know, if you're vaccinated, based on what we know thus far, what you'd only need to worry about most likely would be if you encounter a variant that the vaccine doesn't provide effect, uh, protection against. And those are, those are, I'm reading a quote right here, such variants are much more likely to emerge if the virus is allowed to rage in particular places or groups before the overwhelmingly majority of the world's people can be vaccinated. And so that's what we're up against, spreading it, getting infected with a new variant, or having the vaccine's efficacy decrease and we get infected after. Because again, novel virus, brand new vaccine, and we're still trying to get everyone in and get vaccinated. So we gotta be very thoughtful. Even as we're watching places in certain states, governors say we're good, no masks, everything's open. That doesn't mean it's safe. We wanna follow the science and the CDC, not governors, because a lot of them are making it both political, but also putting people before profits. And I'll be um, transparent. Uh, all my family members are going to be getting vaccinated, as am I. And that's something that we all talked about. We looked at the pros and cons 
um, I take things very thoughtfully. I don't just follow I don't just follow advice blindly. I look at who's telling me the advice, where the advice came from, and I look at the science that we have access to thus far. And so that's what I'm recommending. I, I, am, I am supportive of vaccines, I really am. And again, I look at that for our personal safety, but also for the safety of those around us and that we come in contact with, because I'm all about personal care, but also collective care. And that's the one thing, again, I talked about this early on in the pandemic when I was doing a lot of interviews and people were asking me about, you know, the implications of all this on mental health, but also what do I hope comes from this? And I said, I hope we learn to have more care and compassion for those around us and how we impact them. I hope that looking at the fact that we impact others and why we're washing our hands and wearing masks and distancing will remind us of the way we impact others and how many around us we can impact. It's not really what wound up happening at all. I think people started thinking just mainly of themselves. And as I see people running around without masks and going to events and then going home to their family members and, and others and going to work, they're not, they're not considering about the impact they have on others. It's very unfair and irresponsible for you to say, I'm okay getting it. I'm gonna run around and do things that are high risk. And then I'm also gonna be around others. You're putting them at risk too, and they haven't consented to that. And often we're not giving them informed consent. And remember, people have to consent to what they're gonna be exposed to. And they can only do so if you've informed them at what they're at risk for. And so you, please tell people, hi, just so you know, I know you want me to come into the office or I know you want me to go to that dinner. I need to let you know that I'm high risk. I haven't been wearing a mask or, I, or I'm unvaccinated. You need to tell people. You need to tell people. That's why I'm not opening my office. That's why I'm still not back in the radio station because I want informed consent. Who am, I, who am I coming in contact with? What have they been doing? How high risk are they? Because yes, I'm not willing to get sick and I'm not willing to transmit it to others. So we need to be at get it, giving consent to what we're around and also informed consent. The people that want to be around us, forced or otherwise, what kind of risk have they been? You know, this matters. It's not just about sexual health, it's also about public health, you know? Um, all right, we gotta take a break. We'll be back, uh, but in the meantime, if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We're always here to answer those. And uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about dating websites. Yes, it's the wild, wild west out there. People ask me all the time, what dating website should I be on? And I say, well, it depends on a thousand million, kabillion, jillion factors. Certain populations do better on some. It's also geographic. So one that might do great for a certain population in one city or area might not be the same for others. So we're gonna quickly go down the ones that got really good scores, but before we do, let's just weigh in on a couple basics. Should you pay or should you not pay? Well, the ones that are free are gonna have a, a wider breadth of people on them. Why? Because it's free, and that's really great. Not everyone wants to pay the money. So the free ones are gonna have a flood, a drove, a wild amount of people, so I always recommend those. Now, the ones you pay for, the difference in those and the reason why those have some assets and strengths are that people paying are going to be a little more serious about being on there. They're not on there because they're bored. If you're gonna pay money every month, that means that you probably have more interest, investment, and more motivation. And that's why some people go to the pay for sites. They are like, if someone's gonna pay, they're taking it seriously, my time is important, and they'll go on that. I, I often recommend doing what you have access to. If you can afford to pay for, do that, and also be on the free, because why not? You have the time and the energy, if in fact you do. So look at that one. Um, a lot of them have add-ons, you know, such as uh, you can pay more money to see who's matched with you, and then you can kind of just swipe off of that. Um, all different kinds of upgrades. Some you have to pay to have more than a certain number available to you in a day or a certain number of matches. So that's gonna be based on your needs, how motivated you are, and how well you're doing otherwise. 
But um, that's the distinction between those two. So pricing matters versus freeness. We talked about that. Some offer, uh, some offer personality tests, which that's again, really personal. Um, studies show over and over that even if it's a site that tells you your percentage of match, that if someone finds the other person attractive, they will match even if it's 0%. So the personality stuff might be a fun way to get conversation going and a springboard. Some people love that, but others are like, it's about physical attraction first and they kind of ignore those percentages. So that's really gonna fall on you. Um, so that, that's going to be kind of personal ease of use. Some of them are simple. Some of them are a lot harder. Some of them are just swiping. Some of them allow you to have more complicated features like saving and kind of commenting on photos hinge. You can comment on photos, Tinder. It's just swiping left or swiping, right? Very simple user friendly. And then there's ones like Bumble where it's more female centered and HUD app is even more female centered HUD app. You can talk about your kinks. They actually have live humans. If you need help with something, they're really looking out and monitoring. So HUD app HUD. HUD has a lot of moderation, a lot of control. And then we go down to Bumble, which for those that date people or are female gendered, it's female has to initiate the conversation. So that makes some people feel, you know, more safer and empowered. And then we go down to the okay cupids, right? Which are more have personality percentages and people answer questions. And then right below that is Tinder, where it's just left or right, real simple, real easy. And again, security matters to some people. And that's why apps like the HUD app, I think are really great because they have live humans that you can connect with. If you're having a struggle or an issue with someone or someone's not being appropriate, because we got all kinds of people's on the, on these apps. And then there's some that are very hetero specific and gay specific, some that are kink centered, right? So, you know, you got to do a little Googling and a little homework, but uh, let's look at the numbers. So Zeus got one of the highest ratings, um, over 40 million reviews. I got the highest rating. That's the most popular choice based on the site I'm looking at right now. I can't speak to that. I'm not signing off on these. I'm just sharing with you what an article has said. Um, and then we go down to match match got a 9.3. Not mad at that. And that's been going for 20 years. doesn't mean it's better. It's very, that one's very hetero. Although I think they now do allow same sexed, but uh, Zeus was the top then match. Then for those that are dating over 50, there's one called Silver, and that got a 9.1, that's pretty good. And that's for people looking for love over 50. And I love that because there's a lot of ageism on these apps, or people definitely only wanna date within a certain bracket, so that's important, I love that. Um, those are the top marked ones. You know, again, the, the, the free ones give us so much room, but that can also be exhausting. And that's why I tell people, you have to be motivated. People look for reliability and consistency. And so that's the factor I tell people to lead with. If you're interested, check in multiple times a day. I know it sounds like a second job, but if you're letting hours or days drift by, other people have stayed more present and you miss out. You miss out if you let days go by that the person that you're gonna circle back to talk to might've been spending those days talking around the clock to someone. And there's a lot of people that are getting burnt out on the ghosting. And so if a lot of time goes by, you don't seem as interested. So commit to a certain amount of time. I tell people to check it if you're serious three times a day. That's right, you gotta stay in the game. And you have to do better intros than just things like hi and hey, because that's also burning people out. We're just like, hi. And sending a, a conversation start like that puts a lot of uh, responsibility on the other person to kind of really pick up that ball and run with it. So it's like you got to put the time in and you got to put in the effort because people are getting burnt out. I'm telling people to take a break if they're burnt out, but they're getting tired and they're getting burnt out. So if you're, if you're really, truly wanting some love on those apps, consistent, reliable, use real conversation starters. And I always tell people to be on more than one. And there should be no shame in that. Have a profile. This is, this is 2021. We don't have shame about the fact that we're looking for some love in our lives. And I don't even care what your profession is. We're all in there, you know? But I'm pushing everyone on there. 
New ones, a new ones, a new ones created all the time. I can't keep up with all the different apps. It's wild. So you gotta do a little homework. Gotta do a little homework. Ask your friends, but um, get on them. We'll keep talking about it. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs, and then we'll be closing out the show and spending the rest of the show talking about uh, how do we end a relationship with love. It's not easy, but we got to take that kind of responsibility. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Today's question says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Lauren, and I've been dating my boyfriend, Vincent, for about two years. He's stuck in his ways. <laughs> he doesn't want to move. He doesn't want to go after promotions in his job. He's complacent. I'm worried that even though he says he wants to, that we won't get married. He tells me all the right things, but his actions say other things. How can I let him know that I'm serious about moving forward and growing in life? Um, well, a couple things. Number one, if he's content with where he's at, then no changes need to be made on his end. If you know, contentment's an important part of life. Not everyone has to always be looking for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. That's quite exhausting, and that's a capitalistic mindset that we should always be pushing and growing and expanding. Well, it depends on what the topic is we're talking about. But in terms of career and finances, some people just want to be content and happy and they want it easy. Not everyone wants to push to bigger and more and rise up the ranks and step into management. In fact, some people back away from that. It's exhausting. It's complex. Maybe Vincent's worked hard and he likes what he's earning and where he's at. And he wants to focus on hobbies, joy and pleasure, self-care, you know, um, and maybe he doesn't want to get married. Do you have all your needs met with him? Well, then why do you need to get married? Do you have love, care, commitment? Well, then you've got everything you need. What, what does marriage mean to you? What, what do you think that it will provide that you're so desperate to get? Because it promises nothing. Um, is it that you want the event, the party of a wedding? Well, maybe, you got, maybe he'll be down for a commitment ceremony. But I can't imagine you just love the idea of signing documents. So what does marriage mean to you? Really sit with that. What do you think it means to him? Um, do you have a shared understanding? Maybe your version of marriage is not what he's looking for. Or again, like I said, maybe he's just content with where he's at and you have to hang in there. But your question inherently problematizes where he's at as though it's bad and wrong and needs to change. And I don't know that that's true. If, if you don't like how things are, then it really falls on you to make the changes that you need to make. If you feel like you're not moving forward and growing, focus on that. What areas of your life do you need to grow and change? Don't, don't necessarily look to him because him being willing, willing to move or go for promotion, how does that bring forward movement or growth in your life? If it's about wanting more money or finances, then you work on gaining and growing, bringing in more finance. And the whole point of this is that we can't decide what our partners need or what's right for them, they do. And they're not always gonna be on the path of the journey or doing the things that we think they should or we want them to do. But that doesn't mean that it's bad or wrong. Our partner's jobs aren't to always make us happy. Our partner's jobs aren't to live the vision we have for them. It's like I say to parents, your child's job is to live the life that they want to live, not the vision you have. And them veering off that path doesn't mean it's bad or wrong, it needs correction. So I'm always very sensitive when someone's complaining about someone being, you're calling it complacent. I'm saying maybe he's content. And if so, you got to back off. Again, I don't know what this marriage means for each of you, but talk about it. Hey, I want marriage. Here's why. Because that might help him to better understand. And ask him, what does marriage mean to you? You don't seem as motivated. Why? And maybe his reasons make sense and you'll say, okay. Because not everyone wants marriage. Not everyone wants the government brought into their relationship. And that's okay. There's a lot of happy, committed, intimate relationships that are never going to reach marriage. And they're better for it, right? Um, and I don't know what the move's about. Again, maybe he likes where he lives. Maybe you've realized that you've outgrown him and you're not compatible anymore and your work is about moving into a new relationship of your own. 
right? With someone else. I don't know. But I'm not going to agree that what he's doing is necessarily wrong or not serious or not forward movement, you know? And that's, that's sometimes part of the issue is us realizing we have to do for ourselves what we wanted them to do. If, if it's about more income, go, go make it. If it's about moving, maybe you need to relocate and say, look, you're not interested in moving to the city I am. I'm going to push forward with that, and I hope you'll join me. And if not, that's okay. That's, that's what boundaries are about, us saying what we're going to do or not do. And you might say, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm going to move, and I hope you'll join me. You know, and maybe he won't, maybe he will, but you got to talk about what these things mean for you. And you got to ask him what his vision is, because he might tell you, I don't want any more growth. You know, not everyone's always trying to do bigger, faster, harder, more. Some people are trying to reel it in and get more simpler, more basic, just rest. You know, we're still in a pandemic. So check in on those things, but don't automatically problematize it because it's not what you want. You know, so sit down and discuss those things. I think that's an important lesson for everyone. You have, to, you have to have a shared meaning, shared goal, shared vision. And sometimes we're going to be let down and that's okay. Maybe we prioritize theirs, you know? So anyway, there that is. Uh, coming up next though, we're going to be talking about how to break up. Yes, that's right. We don't break up well. In fact, some people don't even break up. They just bounce and ghost. So we're going to talk about how you can end relationships lovingly so that we're looking out for both our mental health and the mental health of other people because that is what the dating world should be more about, you know? All right, so stick around for that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, we're talking about how to break up with someone. <laughs> and... I'm glad we're talking about this. And it's a question that gets asked often in different variations, right? Because people are often trying to find the easy way. They'll say, well, what's a way to break up with someone without hurting their feelings? And although I do think that there is an attempt to try to preserve someone's feelings, I think it's also though really, um, really a question about how do I do it without me feeling bad? Because it's difficult. We don't really have a lot of practice breaking up with people romantically, and we absolutely have talked about, and we'll talk about again, how to break up with someone in terms of maybe friendship, right? It really becomes about boundary setting. But um, in terms of romantic relationship, one of the things I always say, um, and you know, familiar listeners of Loveline know this, that if we're gonna enter into any kind of relationship with someone, we always do wanna consider the impact we have on them and how every time someone has a relational experience with someone, it either heals them or it further hurts and hinders. And we want to at least have a neutral impact, not if not a better, positive, more enhancing impact on someone. And I say to people, look, dating is taking responsibility. And if you are not willing to be honest with the people you're dating, and if you are not willing to be honest with them and to do a breakup, you are not mature enough or ready to date. Dating mandates, as, as is entering into any kind of romantic relationship with someone, it mandates a willingness to take responsibility for that other person. You cannot just keep ghosting. And for those that aren't familiar, we have a multitude of different terms for all the horrible ways that people will end relationships. There's orbiting, there's breadcrumbing, there's ghosting, there's zombieing. Yes, these are all real terms, but they all basically imply a lack of clear and honest respect for that person and not ending it openly and clearly so someone understands that the relationship is over. And we have to be willing to do that. Ghosting is just disappearing. 
you've connected, you've formed a relationship of some kind, even if someone is not your husband and wife, even if they're not your boyfriend or girlfriend, even if you are not in a committed, exclusive, or monogamous relationship, if you've connected and started to starting to build something, please take responsibility for ending it. A healthy person will say nothing but thank you. And I guess that's the caveat as we lead into this discussion is if someone ends it with you, you don't have a right to be mad at them. We can't be mad at someone because they're not interested or the chemistry or compatibility is not there. And even if you have hurt feelings, the answer should be thank you. Because even though I'm trying to get people to be better about ending things, part of the anxiety of ending things is people's poor response sometimes at being broken up with. You can't be mad at someone. No, you don't have a right to be mean or violent if someone ends a relationship with you. You have to say thank you, be disappointed, be bummed out, but say thank you for being honest and letting me know. But if someone is no longer interested and the chemistry or compatibility or interest is gone, they have a right. They literally have a right to end it. As long as they're taking responsibility for ending it, you don't. You can feel bad, you can feel disappointed, but you can't be mad or upset with them, and that's part of it. Now remember, a breakup is more than just an ending. It's also you showing other people how healthy you are. Because I've said it, and I'll say it over and over, how someone exits and ends relationships speaks to their mental health. And when you start dating someone, I love people finding a way to ask, hey, how did your past relationships end? Are you still friends with your exes? And if they've ended poorly and they talk poorly about their exes, that's not a good sign of mental health. That means they'll be doing that to you. That means they don't know how to leave relationships lovingly or like an adult. They leave when things are horrible or they leave horribly. Leave when things are still going good. Let someone know, listen, this just isn't working for me. And we'll talk more in a minute about the perspectives, but I just want to on the front end really remind people that there's a responsibility on both ends, right? But I want people to take seriously how they end relationships, right? People aren't disposable and I don't care what's going on or how you met them. They're not a trick. They're not a fling. It's not just an app. These are people and we have to take that kind of responsibility. We find as many ways as possible to dehumanize saying it's not as meaningful because it was online or we haven't met yet or we've only spoken a few times or whatever we can do to minimize and dehumanize. But I want people to care more and to take more responsibility. So please, please do. And it's kind of like what I say on the front end, when you're asking someone out, be very clear and direct. Hey, do you want to go on a date? So someone knows exactly what it is they're saying yes to. And you know that they know what they're saying yes to. And breakups, although difficult, are very similar, right? So just like we take a lot of care and attention to court and work our way into someone's life romantically, right? We have to also be willing to take the responsibility to work our way back out. We cannot just cut and run right? We cannot just cut and run. There is that responsibility. And I want people, sorry, I'm dropping my pen. I want people to take more care around that because again, our mental health is always on the line, but so is theirs. And I want people to think positively about dating and they will, if people lovingly end it and they will, if when ended with you, you lovingly say, all right, man, I'm sorry to hear that, but thank you for telling me people won't be as afraid as afraid or as anxious, but they are because historically it hasn't been really managed well. And that's why people are kind of, you know, anxious. So when we come back, we're going to start to talk about the ways specifically that you can end a relationship without being horrible or toxic or a jerk. Because again, we're taking things seriously in the new year and we're holding ourselves accountable to really, uh, you know, far level of health. Um, it's part of self-care, but it's also community care where we do need to care about other people. It can't just be about us, right? Moving forward, community care is a word you're going to hear more from me. And that's just this collective responsibility. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. 
All right, we're back. And we're talking about how to end relationship, end relationships from a mental health perspective, how to end relationships lovingly, how to end relationships where you honor the, or the responsibility you have for the person that you formed one with, how to do it with integrity and ethics, because it does matter. We have to stop letting ourselves and other people off the hook. And I mean this in terms of your social circle and somehow think that if you're no longer interested in someone romantically, that ethics don't matter, responsibility doesn't matter, mental health doesn't matter, it does. And we want to be better in our social networks. We're hold your friends accountable being like, yo, dude, that's not cool. It's not okay to just disappear. It's not okay to slowly disappear. Because remember, when we slowly disappear, that leaves the person confused. And they're checking the messages. They're talking to their friends. They're asking for advice. We've all been on the receiving end of that. And it feels horrible. It feels absolutely horrible. So again, if you're not willing to do the difficult adult thing of ending things clearly, then you are not mature enough or ready to be dating. So the first thing is when we're talking about how to end romantic relationships lovingly in a mature way, in a mental health centered way is leading with compassion, right? So remember it's a person, it's a person and you are impacting them and you're impacting how they see dating moving forward. And you don't want to leave people wounded, right? So we don't want to treat them as though they have no value right? Because regardless of why the relationship is ending, everyone deserves to be treated with compassion. And I will always say that no matter what we're talking about, be that person that takes that responsibility because all relationships are going to further injure and wound or they heal. And there's no valor. There's nothing beneficial. I want people to no longer make it okay to be part of someone's trauma story right? Of why they feel so bad about the gender that they date or why they feel so bad about getting into the dating world or dating apps, right? Leave people, leave people better off. I, again, I hear these dehumanized ideas. Well, it's just an app or we didn't meet, you know what I mean? Or whatever it is, or even when, when it involves sex, oh, it's just a hookup. What? Those are not real things. Those are ways that we minimize or dehumanize someone. And that moves into the other thing. You can't just ghost. We cannot just disappear. If you've exchanged numbers and started talking, or you've been out with them, you have some responsibility for whatever it is. You might not be in a committed, serious, exclusive, or monogamous relationship, but if you've formed something, then you have a responsibility. If your interest level changes, whatever it might be, but disappearing, going completely silent and ignoring, or even starting to just try to like delay your responses are tactics of cruelty. They really are. And I understand the difficulty and that's why people slowly stop being as available, but that leaves the other person confused, wondering if they're not showing enough interest or if they need to reach out more. And it doesn't do a service to either of you. It does a service to no one. Clarity and, and, and clear communication will always be the most helpful, right? So don't, don't play any of those games. Don't let your, your soon to be ex have to go through days or hours of being hurt, confused or unsure. It's a horrible feeling. And that kind of, that kind of feeling, that kind of state can impact how they're showing up to their friends, how they're showing up at work, right? Cause we carry that with us and that can ruin our day, our week, our month, that confusion, not understanding what's going on. Right. And unfortunately the person on the receiving end isn't trained or socialized to have the confidence to reach out. Some of them do, and I will want them to, and I coach people to, to reach out and say, Hey, what's going on? I haven't heard from you. Is everything okay? Or have your feelings changed? But people shouldn't have to prompt you for you to communicate that right? They shouldn't have to. And that bums me out. But the honesty and the clarity is also for you. So you don't have to have guilt or awkwardness when you see them. Let's create a world where we can bump into people we've stopped dating or we're dating and we can give them a hug or wave and say, Hey, how are you? Because we shouldn't be leaving these 
wounded relationships behind us. Every time we date, we should, our world should be getting bigger. We should be making more acquaintances or more friends. And we should be able to see an ex or someone we dated a couple times at the gym and wave and say hello. We, if, if you know that every time you bump into someone you dated, it feels bad, weird, or awkward, you're not doing your work. You're not being an adult. It shouldn't have to be awkward or weird. It should be, again, the world getting bigger, our social circle expanding, just more acquaintances, more people we know, or even, again, more, more friendships. That is what it should be. That's when we have healthy relationality. That's mental health, right? We have to stop. And again, like I said, our social network, don't let your friends off the hook by acting and thinking in those ways. Hold yourself and your friends accountable to better because our friends do normalize bad behavior or they start to normalize and support better behavior, right? We're as healthy as those around us because again, they hold us accountable or they normalize bad behavior. Be a better friend. A good friend would say, hey, you guys went out a bunch. If I was you, or I'm sorry, if I was that person, I'd want you to tell me, I'd want to know. You know, we've all been in that position. So let's do better in that way. And again, it's about that clarity, that honesty. And so that's the other point. Use complete honesty. Don't be vague. Don't be vague because there's nothing more torturous than the lack of clarity and not understanding if they've broken up with us. Are they just taking space? Are they unhappy about something? Do they need a little time to themselves? If that is what it is, use those words. Only say, I need some space if you actually honestly need space because you're unsure. Don't say you need time away unless you plan on coming back. Don't lie and don't mislead. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help you. Part of breaking up with someone is being willing to hurt them. Sometimes dating is being hurt or hurting. That's right. That's part of it. We have to be willing to do that, right? So when breaking up with someone, you have to use those words, not these vague, unclear words that help no one. Don't say things like, don't say anything that leaves the door open if that's not true. If you're not interested in connecting at another time or still being friends, don't say that. Because some people say it, now's not a good time. Then the other person might hang in there and reach back out. We might say, I need a little space. And then they give it to you and reach back out. Or they hold space psychologically for you. Or they do try to reach out as a friend because you said, let's still be friends. Use clear words. But you have to use words like breakup. Just like if you're asking someone out, you have to say things like, let's go on a date. Would you like to go on a date? Don't just say hang out or coffee. It's confusing. Be an adult. Acknowledge what, acknowledge what it is you're looking for. Because again, the most loving thing you can do, and the most mental health center thing, but the most loving ethical thing you can do is to be clear and honest. But remember, there is no painless way to disappoint or let someone down with a breakup. So there's no magic way. It's that when someone says, what's the easiest way? I say by being honest and clear. All right, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna keep talking about the healthy, ethical, healthy, ethical, and compassionate ways to break up romantic relationships because in tr moving into this year, man, we are taking that responsibility for ourselves and other people, all right? You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and uh, tonight we're talking about how to ethically and compassionately end a relationship. Because I'll say it again, and again, and again, and again, your mental health is dictated by the way you manage your relationships. And if the way you start them and end them is by hurting people, harming them, lying, misleading, that is not a sign of mental health. And you're communicating to other people that you're unsafe to be dated. You know what I mean? And that's why I always tell people, early in dates, ask, are you friends with your exes? Could you be? How'd you end your last relationship? And that's them saying, how, how will I be treated? They're checking in on your level of relational health to understand what you might do to them. And if you're talking poorly about your all your exes and everything ended horribly, doesn't speak well. And the person on the date should be like, I'm out. You're not mature enough. You're not mature enough for me to trust you with my, my heart, my intimacy, my care, 
right? Leave lovingly. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be. But if you're not willing to do it, you're not ready, right? So we talked about that. Always leave with compassion. You do not just get to disappear. And if you end it, you have to use the words that are honest and clear. If you want a friendship, cool. If you just need space, cool. But if that is not the case, don't do that. And it's not okay to just slowly taper out. No, you worked your way in. You take responsibility to exit, truly. And, and here's the other part. You don't get to just reach out whenever you're lonely. And some people will do that, right? This person is healing, whatever that even means. They're mourning the loss of this. But reaching out and just getting them, you know, allowing there to be a hook for them to hang their interest or hope back on, it keeps them confused and it doesn't let them go through their process. And that's probably one of the more unkind parts, just disappearing is and also reaching back out because you want a little bit of attention. That's horrible because a lot of these people, if they really liked you, they're going to hold on to any sense of hope or possibility and you're not allowing them to move on because even though physical presence might not be there or it might be because you might hit them back up to hook up or whatever it is, the psychological presence doesn't help them move away. So you only reach out if you're really truly interested in repairing or reuniting or if you honestly want a friendship. But you do not lie, you do not mislead, you do not manipulate. We have to take responsibility for how we interact and how we impact others. And that's not fair. And people do that and that's horrible. Also leave lovingly. We talk about that all the time. Don't just burn it down. Leave so that maybe a friendship is possible. Don't leave in hurtful and traumatizing ways, right? Because breaking up doesn't have to be an end of all possible forms of relationship with this person. It could just be a transition into something non-sexual or non-romantic. And I love that. I'm friends with all my exes. I talk about it all the time. Just because romance or sexuality wasn't what was where the chemistry or compatibility or sustainability existed, I still get to connect to all the other parts of them that I enjoyed. And it's a good sign to be friends with your exes because it shows that I leave lovingly. I leave when I realize it's not there anymore. I don't wait till we hate each other. And I don't leave in a horrible way that harms I leave in a really mature way that makes them think this person's a good person. They're still with, worth having in my life. So leave so you could still be friends and don't shame people that you might start dating that are friends with their exes. Be better than that because we're only dating people that are healthy and that we trust. And if they're healthy and we trust them, there should be no reason why we're threatened by them being friends with an ex. That's a mess. If you don't trust people, don't date them because again, we want to be with people that are healthy. So we're not burning things down. We're not dating people that have burned things down. Because again, that shows what they're going to possibly do to you. Because again, being friends with these people, are, as we date, our life should get bigger. When we date, the new person being brought in shouldn't be pushing others out of our life. And dating should also bring new people in. It's a gift, right? Because we, we have a lot of deep care and intimacy with them. That's why I love having my exes in my life still. They know me powerfully. We're very vulnerable. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful and it's healthy. But remember, as you're exiting or seeing an ex or an ex comes up, don't talk negatively about them because again, you're marketing yourself. And everyone around you is like, whoa, be loving, be honest, right? But when people disparage their exes, they're saying more about them and their own integrity than the person they're talking poorly about. Those that publicly knock, slam, put down or attack after a breakup are not healthy or safe. And, and call that out in our social circles. Like, hey, I know you're disappointed by that person, but you do not need to talk poorly about them. That doesn't make us feel better. Maybe, maybe in the moment, but over long term, that's not honest or fair. And that doesn't make us feel better. So you're always marketing yourself, right? Because you're showing how you treat people in general and future partners. And so don't talk negatively. And then finally, we'll kind of roll, wrap up on this. And when you see them, if and when you see them, or if and when their name comes up in the future, it doesn't have to be awkward. It shouldn't be awkward because you've done the work. Be kind when you see them. Smile. Smile. Say hello, 
check in on them. We don't need to be rude. We don't need to side eye, side eye them. We don't need to, you know, ignore them. And our, and our new current person should not be doing that to our exes. You know, we don't date people. We don't allow that. Calm down, smile. This is someone you were with, you cared for, you were interested in her. Maybe you just got to know for a little bit, but that's okay. But remember, dating's often about disappointing others or us being disappointed. But we have to be willing to end things properly and compassionately, or we are not mature enough to get into dating. Because leaving people hurt says everything about us, right? And as we move into the new year, we're trying to be better in all the ways that we can be. And this is where I love relational health because that is where mental health is shown. That shows us where our work is. It's a mirror being held up. So think back to all the relationships you've been in. What kind of work do you need to do moving forward? Be better. And, and we have to have a consciousness of where our work is. Otherwise, we keep perpetuating these same, same patterns that harm others and also harm us. So we'll keep talking about this. Um, this is really important stuff because we're trying to be better this year, more ethical, you know, more compassion, and more community care, which means we do care about those around us. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to be uh, closing out with some DMs. If you got a DM for, them, for us, drop it in the Loveline IG page, and I will answer that for you. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Alright, tonight's DM says, Hey Dr. Chris, I'm getting worried about my mother. She recently had her brother and her cousin die due to COVID. She's losing it. I don't live at home anymore, but she won't allow people in or out. My dad had to stop going to work and begin and began working remotely because of her fears. They are legitimate, and they are, so I'm glad you recognize that. I don't, I don't ever want to downplay someone's fear around something that's life-threatening as evidenced by her losing both her brother and her cousin, right? Uh, but anyway, you said, uh, da, 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 they are legitimate, her fears, however. There has to be another way to deal with grief. I want to help her, but I'm just not sure how or what to say. Uh, ah, okay, so you're making your questions more about the grief. Um, I don't know how to deal with her grief. I mean, here's the thing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just rereading this. You don't live at home anymore, Dad's not going to work. You know, we can't, the, although I appreciate that the question's really angled towards, uh, is there another way to help her deal with her grief? What I'm really hearing it say is she should be doing it differently. And there is no right way to deal with grief, period, end of story, there isn't. It should be something that becomes very centralized. Someone died, right? Like that should be the number one priority. That should come before people's people's jobs, people's relationship with their friends. Like, when we have grief and loss, especially people in our lives that are as close as a cousin or a brother, that's going to be our number one focus. And uh, I, I, I don't want to direct you to redirect your mom. So it sounds like you're struggling to watch her go through the process she's going through and you have to just allow that. You have to let go, you have to sit back, and you have to allow. That's usually the way we help someone through their grief and loss is by letting go, letting them go through the process and supporting them. Unless your mom is as you know, risking her health or the health of someone else, we have to just let them be where they're at. And I'm glad that your dad's centering that and he's working from home to be available to her. Do not worry, let her go through her process. And this is something that a lot of people are asking me, right? Uh, people are withdrawing or pulling away because of you know grief and loss around a lot of multitude of things, right? Um, let it be, let it be. It's usually your discomfort that you're trying to get rid of because that's what the question's saying, right? I, the person asking this, is uncomfortable with where my mom's at I don't want to be uncomfortable. Tell me what to do so I can feel more comfortable. And it's not about you. You have to sit in your discomfort. 
around watching her go through her process, right? We don't wanna force someone down another grief process so that you feel better. Ah, I feel more comfortable now that she's managing it this way. It's not about you or what you need, right? And a lot of times people's grief and loss processes, the way they mourn, aren't gonna be what we are most desiring of or familiar with, and that's okay. You know, again, mourning is the, um, the, the way we grieve. Mourning is the physical manifestations. Disconnecting, pulling away, um, turning to food, turning to alcohol. Um, what I don't know what it may be. You know, it's, it's different for everyone, but you have to allow. You have to manage yourself so she can go through her process. Um, I also wanted to save some time though before we wrap up on, I got, I got a DM and I'm going to weigh in on that one. And it was just a general question about my thoughts on cancel culture. And I wanted to just take a minute to speak to that because it's something that is still open-ended, still ongoing, still something on people's minds. And I've talked a lot about it. I'm a little actually burnt out on the topic, but, um, I was asked yet again, so I thought I'd weigh in on it quickly. And my thoughts are that, uh, oftentimes cancel culture is sometimes accountability companies saying, great. Um, people have freedom of speech as evidenced by the fact that this person was not arrested for what they said, but we don't want to be working with or be branded with someone who says problematic things. Cause a lot of cancel culture is around people's uh, bigotry. And so it's understandable that companies want to disconnect and not be, you know, associated with that. Uh, or cancel culture is toxic because it's misused. It's weaponized and it's used against someone who's saying something we don't agree with. If it's in terms of someone denying the humanity of someone else, I understand that separation, but sometimes it's a punishment. You know, um, I've had people attack me because they didn't agree with my opinion on something. Great. Move on and go about your life. We don't cancel over people. We don't cancel people over disagreement about opinion, but opinion is never about the worth of a human life, right? Those are two separate things. Um, so we do have to allow people to be accountable and apologize and do better. And at that point, I'm willing to bring people back in. So that's my thought about it. If someone takes accountability and they do better and they learn better, we have to welcome them back. We can't just vote everyone off the planet when they let us down. Uh, but cancel culture sometimes is accountability and that's important, you know, and we'll see what they do, right? It's kind of the response. Um, but we have to hold space for people that want to be better and to do better and are getting educated to come back. We have to. But yes, cancel culture is also a good tool when people are in positions of power and they're oppressive or violent from that position, then yes, we need to remove them. It's nuanced. It's complicated. As you're hearing in my answer, it's not just you know a black and white answer. Uh, but hopefully we don't have to keep talking about it. You know what I mean? But that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, some outdated uh, tips from a women's magazine from the 50s that I got a kick out of as to uh, what women should be doing to find a man. And then we're going to be doing a little couples therapy. So join us. Uh, thanks for hanging out as always, y'all. Have a beautiful rest of your night and see you tomorrow.